This is Cumin. This is Caleb. Welcome to Life Unwasted, a podcast where we explore our past to discover our present. All right. Today we have Debbie on our show. Welcome, Debbie. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> Debbie and. Just to give a. Oh, yeah. Go uh, ahead, Caleb. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm Caleb, <laughs> whatever. Just to give a little bit of background, um, we uh, have not, again, we don't prep for these shows. It really is just a phone call. Uh, Cumin, Debbie, and I went to school together in elementary in uh, Davao in the Philippines, a little school called Faith Academy. And we don't necessarily do a lot of um, explaining about uh, that time. You know, this is less of a podcast and more of a narrow cast <laughs> the, the few people who um, uh, are really going to understand the things that we're talking about. Um, uh, Cuban, is there any any other background you want to throw in there? That's exactly what I wanted to say. That uh, yeah. Debbie, Caleb, and I, along with Rachel, who was on mm-hmm. our last uh, mm-hmm. show, last episode, we all go back almost thirty years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just turned forty. So wow. Yesterday, but today yeah, I saw turn- that. Happy birthday! <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I'm officially mm-hmm. in my forties. So yeah, yep. this this is a different day okay. for me. Now everyone on the internet knows two things: they know your name and they know your date of birth. So that's good, right? Throw go. that out there. <laughs> that's a lot of math, right? <laughs> right. They don't know my last name, so. <laughs> right, 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 right. And we recorded this two months ago, from whenever you're listening to it, or right. whenever it drops. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. And, oh yeah, Debbie, and we don't do last names. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So when we're talking about teachers or other students or anything like that, you know, just not without people's permission. And we, we've talked a little bit about the purpose of this show before with you. And I think mm-hmm. you may have listened to some episodes. Um, you know, we're not really here to dish or to, uh, you know, talk. You know, this is a show about you and us and the things that we've um uh, moved well past, or maybe we revisit some happy memories. We revisit some troubling memories and just kind of process them with our adult minds, you know, with mm-hmm. our adult experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, uh, since we've asked you to join, you know, to come on the podcast, um, maybe since you've listened to some other episodes, like what, what are some things that you've kind of been reliving in your mind or that you've, you've been thinking about uh, from that time period? Yeah. So, being an introvert, I'm one who is always thinking and processing mm-hmm. information yeah. and stuff. And just really kind of thinking about um, how my parents raised me and my siblings on the mission field and how I'm now a parent to two young kids as well. And just looking at the family dynamics and, and those sorts of things. And I have to say, like, as much as I think every parent screws up in multiple ways, overall, my parents did pretty well. Um mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do is they learned from their own parents what they wanted to do and what they didn't want to do mm-hmm. with how they were how they were raised and they passed that down to us and then I'm hopefully passing that down to my own kids. Um, but I come from a, you know, both sets of my grandparents um, were Christians. My mm-hmm. uh, grandparents on my mom's side were actually missionaries as well. They spent close to 25, I think, ish years in India. So my mom's a missionary oh, kid wow. as well. And uh, so she parented me and my siblings with the mindset that she was also a missionary kid and what worked for her family and what she wanted to pass on to us. Um, what, then, what sticks out to you about the way that she approached parenting? Um, I think she, well, she came from... Uh, Living in India, there wasn't a lot of schooling options. So her and her uh, younger sisters all went to boarding school from grade mm-hmm. one to grade 11 because they went to a British boarding school. Um, and so when we were little, um, my older sister did go to boarding school for grade one. And then my parents moved around the Philippines. We ended up in Davao. So we were able to stay home. But it also, it was a bit of a choice for us if we wanted to go to boarding school when it came to the time to go like to grade nine, um, because our school only went up to grade eight, where we were. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was also just hearing stories about how my grandparents prioritized their children over their ministry, which Mm. um, you don't always see on the mission field. 
And I mean, the story that really stands out to me and how they demonstrated it is um, a lot of you guys know my aunt, Wendy, who her and, and Tom are, are um, dorm parents or were dorm parents at Faith Academy as well. Um, so my aunt is an ex-sister to my mom. And she started getting into some stuff at school in India that, you know, was a little worrisome. And so Mm -hmm. my grandfather made the decision that as a family, they needed to regroup. And so took the whole family back to Canada and said, we're going to stay in Mm. Canada until we figure this out as a family. We need Mm -hmm. to support Wendy. We need to, you know, do what we need to do as parents. And they got a lot of flack for that from coworkers because mm. your your first thing is supposed to be your kid, your ministry. And my grandfather always said, God gave me my children first, ministry second. And it will take as long as it will take. And we will go back and we will do <laughs> our ministry when the time's right. And so they spent a year back in Canada working as a family to address what they needed to address and were able to go back on the field. But I think that really demonstrated to my mom and her siblings as well as to us as like extended family that even though our parents are in ministry the children are still first priority and will be always honored as the first choice over ministry this that's story. a piece of your family that's a wow. piece of your family history that you're retelling today with pride mm-hmm. yeah i am <laughs> this story is so uplifting and on in multiple yeah. levels because Particularly, uh, it's not a story that is usually heard around our circle. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. <laughs> so, and, and that amazes me that with that means, how many siblings does your mom have? So my mom is the oldest of four girls. And all mm-hmm. four girls. And how many of them so turned out to be missionaries? All four of them. Wow. That is amazing. So a very positive experience. Yeah. Two the two, two of my mom's sisters are now back in Canada, not necessarily on the mission field. Um, and then Auntie Wendy and Uncle Tom just kind of retired and just moved back um, like about a month ago to Canada. So, yeah. You have multiple cousins who are also MKs and who yes. have similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I have, well, my two cousins, Crystal and Nathan, grew up at Faith Academy as well. And then I have, yeah, my mom's siblings each had um, three ch- children. And so all of them, for periods of their childhood, spent time on the mission field. Were, were you ever in the dorm? I was in our mission dorm for my grade nine year. So I was oh, just okay. for the one year. Freshman year. Yeah. 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 I'm wondering with your, so saying, you know, knowing what you just said Mm -hmm. um, uh, about how your family was oriented to the mission field. um, And, you know, I I don't want to go too much into your employment uh, uh, (laughs) history, but you have a lot of experience working with with children, right? And and you have a graduate degree that, that goes along with that. Mm I'm wondering what your perspective is on the ages that in so, in that dorm in particular, um, very young, very young ages that were in the dorm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that also, like every child is resilient in different ways. And I think dorming mm-hmm. is a very personal decision for the child and for the family. Mm. And so... I, I think elementary is way too young. Like I couldn't imagine sending my son away at this age. You know, he's mm-hmm. seven, almost eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could not handle that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, high school, I think it, it depends on the relationship dynamics. And I, and I think it depends on how the attachment has been with the parent and child and what is kind of the communication style and, and is the child still getting their emotional needs met. I mean, mm. for us, we were lucky that my parents still lived in the Philippines when I was in the dorms. So we got to go home on all of the breaks, right? Spring break, Christmas break, um, fall break. And my parents traveled a lot. So they would come like partially through the year and would come and pop in to visit. They'd come for like a night or two on their way to other you know countries and meetings. So, and I mean, this is a time when emails were just kind of becoming a thing and so we'd email regularly those sorts of things but 
I think partly why it worked for our family is we all knew that if we needed our parents, they would come and they would mm. do whatever they needed to do. And, and they've continued to that even into our adulthood. Um, my mom kind of developed a uh, tradition in our mission where when their adult daughters have babies, she takes a month off from being on the field and she flies back and she's with us for the first month of being a mom oh, wow. with a newborn. Yeah. And she does yeah. that not just for the first baby, but for all babies that we've had. Um, there's been hmm. some health issues that have come up for my sister um, when she was in university and my mom flew out. And then when it was going to be longer than like a month to try and help out with it, they flew my sister back to the Philippines with them so they could help her with her health. Right. So it's they've managed to still do ministry, but they've always prioritized us and 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 our needs, right? So um, I think that is what has worked really well in our family is we never, it's never a burden. It's never mm -hmm. a, I mean, it's always inconvenient <laughs> when you have to, when you have to, you know, change what you're doing, reschedule things or whatnot, but it's always, yeah. they've always made it work. And even the financial piece, like when they've come to help out, they're never asking for money for plane tickets. You know, there's always right. been times where right. God has actually provided where randomly people have contacted my parents and said, Hey, you know, I just felt that, you know, I needed to give you some of this money and it's right at the time that's needed for plane tickets or whatever. Yeah. So is, is there a, a particular thing? I mean, uh, the, the, I guess the, the pride um, in your family and how you guys really set yourselves up for success is really coming through to me. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm wondering with your kids, are there mm -hmm. things that you experienced growing up where you think, you know, I don't want my kids to experience that in the same way or. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it's, it, we moved around a lot. Um, I always mm -hmm. joke and say like I moved house city and our country every year between grade four and my third year university. And so mm. every summer was packing up and moving. And so for me, it's been the stability for my, especially my oldest, because my youngest is only two. Um, you know, my husband likes to every once in a while dream big and be like, oh, we can move to another part of the province or, oh, we could, you know, I'm like, you know, I, you know, it's really important to me that my son has stability in school. He's always asking, what school am I going to after this school? And you know, who's going to be my teacher next year? So it's that kind of stuff that I've kind of changed from my own childhood. It's that, you know, predictability of you, this will be your school. This is the school you're going to go to next year. These are kind of the people you're going to track with as far as the church that we're in, you know, because it's easy sometimes to go the grass is greener and to, to kind of pick up and start all over somewhere new. But I also do, I mean, between my work and just mm -hmm. with my own growing up, just that stability, that predictability, all of those things. Because I never had, you know, you, you talk to some people that grew up in, in our home countries, you know, oh, I, you know, I lived in the same house I lived in mm -hmm. you know, since I was born. Or, you know, you grow up with these kids um, all the way through school year, school life and I didn't have that. And I don't think that's necessarily like a horrible thing, but that is definitely something that yeah. I, I try and protect for my own kids. Cause ironically, you, you keep saying for your kids, you keep saying yeah. for your kids. I'm yeah. wondering if it's, if it's for you too. Uh, it is and it isn't. I do hmm. get that wanting to start over a lot feeling when it comes to like, you know, I've lived, I lived in our first house, when I was married for like seven years, so I called our seven year itch is when we sold <laughs> and bought this house. And we're coming up on five years now. And it's like, Oh, you know, other houses look nice. <laughs> and, you know, they have this better or that better. It's, it's, that's exciting. Um, and so sometimes I, I struggle with not putting down the roots in, in some of those aspects um, because it's, I, I'm used to moving every year. So. Debbie, have you considered uh, going out, to the mission field yourself or any of your cousins uh, I, done so or something? yeah quite a, a few of my cousins have i can't talk about what countries they're in now um no, two of my cousins no, actually no. just uh went to another country um my one cousin left a couple of weeks ago and the other cousin went there about 
six months ago. So I have two cousins currently on the mission field as missionaries. Um, they're the only two I'm trying to think of, of my cousins that have gone on the mission field. My younger sister actually married a Filipino national and lives full time in the Philippines mm-hmm. and her and her husband do ministry full time. Um, oh, so guess, you have a younger sister. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Are, are, there, are there three of you? Yeah. So I'm the middle of three girls. Hmm. And wh- how, how younger is your sister? She's um, almost two years younger than me. So she's she was in one of your siblings' classes. I'm trying to yeah. think of which one it was in. I think Maybe. I know. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I'm wondering, I want to go back to something you said um, when you said, I, I struggle putting down roots or that there's this conflict around putting <laughs> down roots, you know? Yeah. And you moved around a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, he, you know, I are those two things connected with your... Are there other parts of your life that that impacts? Um, yeah, it's hard. I mean, the biggest thing I think is just, it's more like my physical house. I never, it's kind of funny. I never fully ever set up a house. I still have so many bare walls in my house. Like I don't, I, and I, I don't do like too. buy, like all my furniture is like hodgepodge from like different mm-hmm. places that I've collected along the way. And I, and I have a really hard time letting go of stuff because, Oh, it might be useful in the future. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I live, I live like a renter. I've, I've owned <laughs> homes for, you know, since two, I bought my first house in like 2004 yeah. and uh, yeah, I still live like a renter. Yeah. I, I totally do as well. Like it's, I just don't necessarily invest in my mm-hmm in my house like you see some people's houses and you're like oh like everything is coordinated and you know you've done like you've made it so homey like yeah i've got a few pictures up on the wall but other than that <laughs> it's like we repaint because the previous owners mm-hmm. had hideous paint choices but other than that we haven't done a ton to our place um and i think that partly is i'm just so used to making do with my living environment um and then holding on to stuff like i still have boxes of stuff that I haven't opened in years but it's it's so sentimental to me um that I could never get rid of it but as I said I haven't opened it in years so I, I keep moving those from location to location to location I feel like there's an analogy there of never unpacking some things <laughs> yeah. carrying some things with you and and not wanting to let go of them because it's part of who you are oh, but wow. maybe never really unpacking it Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not putting I, down roots. I'm actually, I don't know. I'm quite the opposite. I also have moved frequently, but because I do move frequently, I find any kind of luggage very, very cumbersome. So I throw away almost everything. <laughs> well, I think you either go one way or the other. I think for me, I got that Filipino mentality. I don't even remember like jeepneys, where it's like there's always room for one more. You yeah. can always shove one more person into the jeepney. <laughs> That's how I feel about boxes. <laughs> there's always room for one more. Yeah, it's like for me, um, I'm a computer science major, but I graduated mm-hmm. without a computer. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's me and. All my books, like all through my school years in university, every semester I would donate all my textbooks because I don't mm-hmm. like carrying around books. So I guess I'm of the other extreme where I just unload and throw yeah, away Yeah, I still have all of my university textbooks from 14 plus years ago still in my garage. So Wow. <laughs> it's, I think you're right, though. You got to pick one or the other because it was when we did our class reunion, it was pretty clear. Ha- like I still have boxes and boxes of stuff from, from when I was in the dorm. I have my yep. gown from graduation, my cap and gown, you know? Yeah. Um, I have playbills from the, the plays we were in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am. I am curious, Debbie, um, you know, Cuban and I got into this a little bit in the last episode where I was kind of interviewing him um, mm-hmm. about being, you know, a Korean, uh, you know, Korean missionary family uh, in a very, Western Americanized school. And I'm wondering, you know, what was it like? I've never, you know, these are things that we've never talked about. Like, was there anything different about being Canadian and going to Faith Academy? Or what was your perspective on that? Um, 
I probably didn't notice it as much as a kid and a teen, but I notice it a lot now, just the different mindset between Americans and Canadians. Um, definitely, mm-hmm. I Americans have a lot of pride in their country. Um, mm-hmm. And there's definitely a lot of, I don't want to get too political. <laughs> but Bloviating, no I think, is the word you're religion. looking for. Huh? Bloviating. <laughs> yes. Um, and and it, it's ironic because it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. Some of the values that Americans hold on to and hold on to so tightly. And so, like, this is our right. Um, and I think that's where where there's a huge difference between, you know, Canada, I think, can be seen by a lot of Americans as a very socialist country. Um, and and mm-hmm. socialist is a bad thing in a lot of Americans' views, whereas I kind of view socialism, not, you know, the extreme socialism, but, I you know, I like that Canada has the universal health care. I like that, you know, we have a lot more social services that are available to people. Um, it's more collective. Yeah, it's, we pay more in taxes, but when we need it, we also can access it. Um, mm-hmm. Which you hear yeah. some, you know, stories about in the states of you know people just get being, you know, their finances just ruined from having a kid and and medical bills, mm-hmm. you know, up the yin yang and, and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So, um, I I think that was the big thing is when I was there as a Canadian, I, I look American because I've got the white skin and I don't have an accent that's too different from Americans. But, and so people kind of assume we're American, but there is some deep differences in, in the countries. And I think as a Canadian, it felt a lot of times that a lot of Americans just assume that everyone loved them, mm. I guess. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And that 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 was the utopia to go to the States. And honestly, <laughs> as I say now, like you couldn't pay me and, you know, enough money to live in the States. I <laughs> that's not a dream at all of mine. <laughs> you're in British. OK, first of all, you're in British Columbia, which is the most beautiful province yes. <laughs> in, in the world. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been there a couple of times and it is uh, your know, Vancouver area is one of the best places in the world. Yeah. Expensive, expensive, but yes. very high quality of living. Is yeah. there a specific memory when you say when you say you've rethought some of these things from that time period? Is there any specific memory that sticks out to you? Of Canada uh, or of- uh, an example of the differences between the cultures? Um. Uh, trying to think of nothing that's really coming to mind. I mean, I've got a humorous one, but it's not mm-hmm. probably what your guys are looking yeah, for. Yeah, let's go. Um, no, no, we want humor. Yeah, we want, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. When yeah. we were in Davao, I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. we had to take, it was an American civics course in mm-hmm. grade eight. And mm-hmm. my older sister was the only, I think, non-American in that class. And I can't remember who the teacher was, but the teacher was absolutely disgusted that the person who got the highest mark in that class was my sister, the only (laughs) (laughs) non-American. I I remember him ranting and raving to the whole class. (laughs) Really? How is that humorous? I I don't find it humorous. Because he thought that all the other Americans should know more about their... No, I I know. I know where you... I know. I know why it's funny. I know why for it's Americans funny. it's for... funny because we're we're supposed to be yeah. you know that American exceptionalism or whatever. Yeah. I can tell you there's this very specific story from Outdoor Ed where I was um I, I felt totally degraded as an American. I felt like total crap. I think I was me it, what was Baggio? Was that seventh grade or sixth grade? That would have been seventh grade. I think it was seventh grade. Seventh grade. So we were up there and it may be that same history teacher. He was an older guy from Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was from Indiana and he knew that. And we were up in Baguio and we had just painted a wall with like yep. a mural or something like that. And then we went to this classroom and we were supposed to talk about America and what or or something or Jesus. Maybe it was Jesus or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that that teacher said, hey. Why don't you get up at the front of the class and tell everybody what it's like in Indiana right now? Um, like what the weather is like and, and what it, it's like. And, I, and as an American with my pride, I said, okay. Yeah. And then I sat there for 10 minutes. Like I didn't really know 
I had no idea. And so I went up to the front of the class and in front of all of these Filipino students. And I said, and and I just blanked and I'm like, "Uh, it's America. There's McDonald's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he saw I had no idea. And he went up there and said, oh, there's a foot of ice on my pond right now. And there's snow on the ground and it's hunting season. And and I didn't know any of that. And that whole rest of the trip, all I thought about was how bad of an American I was. Mm-hmm. And you but can really, still remember. I mean, you lived there. <laughs> well, it was all. Oh, it was the year before he used my Swiss Army knife to clean out, or his wife used my Swiss Army knife to clean out his boil. We were at Kurgador, <laughs> and his wife came over to me and she's like, "Hey, can I borrow your knife?" I'm like, "Okay." And she goes over and lances his boil like right in front of me, and then she gives oh it back goodness. to me, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like. Did that just happen? You know, yeah. <laughs> this is all traumatizing. Oh, oh, it's, I mean, I, I honestly didn't. I haven't thought of that in many years. Debbie, are there are there any memories from middle school or that time that come back for you? Oh, there's so many memories. And and I, I, yeah, I've been just kind of thinking over that period of my life, which I don't always think about. But in once you reached out to me about doing this podcast, I started mm-hmm. really thinking about it and just how unique the community is and, and the people that you live Mm. with or interact with and how a lot of the stuff that happened would not fly (laughs) here. (laughs) Um, Uh And, and just, you know, some, some stuff got just swept under the rug because, Oh, we don't want to deal with that or, or whatnot. Or, you know, some things happen that we don't necessarily understand as a kid and we might have some ideas of it. What was swept under the rug? What do you, what do you mean? Oh, I mean, the whole, the whole point of this is to look back as as an adult, you know? Yeah. I think as, as an adult, especially with the work that I do, Mm -hmm. um, working uh, I will say I'm a social worker, Mm -hmm. Um, just looking at the lack of support that seemed to be for mental health for Mm. a lot of people. Like I I remember Mm -hmm. in high school, I don't even remember who the kid was, but I remember clearly a a girl having cuts Mm -hmm. on her arms and it was kind of just ignored. And then the Mm -hmm. family left the mission field not that long later. And I always wondered, like, is it because of her mental health? And and it just never was talked about, yeah. um, you know, that kind of stuff. And and you think about a lot of us went through a lot of tra- traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. And the one good thing that I have to say about my parents' mission is that now looking back and talking to my parents, you know, they were coached on how to handle these traumatic experiences and what to watch for for us as kids but we never necessarily knew about it like i don't know if you guys remember the earthquake mm-hmm. that happened i was in baguio when that earthquake yeah. happened um yeah. and we're evacuated <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and then pinatubo and then even when we lived in davao area there was a lot of uh fighting and mm-hmm. you know stuff that was you know relief efforts that were done and mm-hmm. and i think a lot of that is what led me to the work that i do is is you know yeah. in that helping field but now with the knowledge i have and i and i do think a lot of knowledge has been gained over the years like there's a lot more understanding of trauma there's a lot more understanding of the brain and development there's a lot more understanding nowadays of these sorts of things and i often mm-hmm. wonder were our parents ever fully equipped with what they went into like mm-hmm. were they ever were they properly supported by their mission or by you know their extended family and stuff like that taking their own children to yeah. to be exposed to some of these things which you know being exposed to traumatic experiences is, i don't think is necessarily like a horrible thing it's all mm-hmm. about how who supports the child through that and and how do mm-hmm. we move yeah. forward how you process, how do you process it, it? Mm-hmm. well yeah. and that's honestly debbie that's what we're doing in this conversation mm-hmm. right yeah that, that's and, what we're doing uh, when you said there was violence in davao um i remember those days mm-hmm. and they still stand out to me you know i still yeah. i was very young during the the new the hunasan uh coup yeah. and um and and those sorts of things but you know i i remember the the bombings i remember the guard shacks that were yep. blown up and the the dead bodies and the um a lot of that stuff you know that's that's still you don't forget that 
Well, and it's, it's even just a completely different lifestyle in a sense. Like I talk to my coworkers sometimes about my childhood and, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, you go to the mall and they swipe you down with a metal detector and you have your purse (laughs) and they look in it and, you know, Mm -hmm. they, you know, making sure that there's no, (laughs) you know, this or that. Mm -hmm. You go into, you know, the McDonald's and Jollibee and there's, you know, a, a guard at every door and they've got like a belt of bullets and they've got a, you know, gun, a, whatever kind of rifle thing over the back of them and, and that's normal and mm-hmm. you kind of look at your coworkers or friends here and they kind of look quite horrified <laughs> yeah you're like oh yeah. yeah i guess that really wasn't normal <laughs> yeah i was I, at a conference last week and i'm sorry cumin um but i was at a conference last i just have to say i told one story from my childhood and it was it was a it's something i've told many times but the look on their faces, like the way I internalized that was I'm a weirdo. Like I'm mm-hmm. a weird, yeah, I'm a weird person yeah. for, for, for that having, and everyone just looks scared, you know? And it was like, I, th- and that's why that leads to more like isolation, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Human, I've cut you off three times. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. And I, I was just going to say, it's crazy to think that our parents going to the mission field were, around our age or younger so mm-hmm. a lot younger right. in my a lot my younger parents. you're right mm-hmm. my when parents were par- i think 23 24 when they went to the mission field oh my goodness they were Debbie. kids 23 <laughs> i wasn't even oh my married goodness. at 24 <laughs> now now to be fair your mom was mk 23 so that's like 30 yes true right true yeah <laughs> That's <laughs> right. It sounds like from what you told me that her maturity level is more of a 30 year old than a 23 year old. Well, and I, and I think yeah. she did have to grow up. I mean, she went mm-hmm. to boarding school from grade one to grade 11, and she's mm-hmm. the oldest of four girls. And so she was the first of her sisters to go to boarding school. And then she was there to kind of parent welcome each of her siblings as they came in the subsequent years. Um, and she kind of was their mom in a way while while they were in boarding school mm-hmm. so you know she's always had that caregiver role um yeah. but i will have to say like you know for for a mom who grew up that way like she was very deliberate in that when my parents went to the mission field and they had kids pretty quickly after they got there um my mom didn't do full-time ministry until my younger sister was in grade five and that mm. was a family decision. And that yeah. was my mom was approached to take on a different role, which would mean traveling uh, for her. And so I, I, I distinctly remember my parents sitting us all down and said, this is what has been presented. This is what it would mean. Does anyone have any objections or whatever? And we all were fine with my mom going forward. And then my parents were always deliberate in that when my parents, because they both were traveling for their roles quite a bit all over Southeast Asia, they always timed their trips so that always one of them was home mm-hmm. and they were never gone at the same time. And if they were gone at the same time, they would have a, one of the teachers from our mission come and stay with us at our house. So we weren't uprooted hmm. to have to go somewhere else for like the week or the two weeks or whatnot. So Th- that's a lot of like power and control for your, it seems like you felt, and I could be mm-hmm. reading into this, you had a lot of influence in, in that and one of the things you know we've, we haven't had that many guests yet but I'll, I'll tell you for myself you know i didn't have that feeling there's others on this podcast that didn't that only found um that had to do a lot of work to get to a point in their life where they felt like they had power over their life or control over their life mm-hmm. what's that what's that journey been like for you and that yeah i do think that i think it was just always knowing that we came first like Mm. as as, I mean we didn't and there were times where I felt like we didn't right so um yeah it's one of those mixed things because my dad is quite I would jokingly say a workaholic now and and (laughs) I always tell him he needs to slow down because he's a very studious and diligent person and and takes responsibility very seriously but that also meant that I missed out on a lot of the fun things that would happen on Saturdays at Faith Devout because my dad would be working Mm. and so couldn't give me the ride to go to those things Um, but I think ultimately deep down if it was an actual need my parents were there they Mm -hmm. they were committed 100% to their kids and you know i i think 
it probably stems back to their own childhood, right? You know, with, with my mom having the example of her parents leaving the mission field, you know, for that year to help support my aunt. And with my dad, I mean, he's the second youngest of six kids. His dad was always on the road as a truck driver. And so, you know, him and his siblings did a lot of kind of fending for themselves with each other. Um, because my grandma was busy, right, with six kids mm -hmm. living on a farm in northern BC. Um, and so I think my dad wanted something a bit different. And he was always a, a very involved parent. And I hear stories about my grandpa, who wasn't a very involved parent, because he was an old school mm -hmm. German man who didn't talk about emotions and didn't um <laughs> you know we, yeah. we talk about how the fact that he never told my grandma that he loved her she only knew that because he would tell other people and they would tell her right yeah <laughs> so um so i think it's one of these things that have passed down from generation to generation where we don't necessarily have bad children childhoods but there's maybe things that we pick and choose that we want to continue on in our own children's lives and then there's things that we want to do differently um, mm -hmm. in how we were raised, right? And, and some of it's just circumstantial um, and some of it's choice. Mm -hmm. Oh, Debbie, you seem yeah. really settled. Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that an illusion or is that real? Because I'm listening to you and it sounds like you've got it all together. Oh, know? I don't have it all together. <laughs> yeah, you don't. I know that. I know. So like, first of all, what is, you know, Cuman and I, just, I feel like Cuman and I are just sitting here, jaw gape, like, man, you've got this all together. Is that real? And if it's not, why? Um, I think I, I, there's, I come from the idea that there's always room for improvement. There's always, you know, I'm always looking for ways to, I don't want to say better myself, but like, just, um, to kind of move forward and I've I've never been one to judge people in a sense like oh my goodness you're so horrible look what you did I've always been the why why do people do the thing they do and then when I understand mm. it I have compassion for them and I'm not I'm not one to to you know I don't know what the word I'm looking for um to label them for for whatever it is right and I've always been one to look for the good in people as well, um, but also being realistic. And I think that's also from my work is with my mm. work, like I'm working with a lot of um, families that have a, a ton of dysfunction. And if I were to go into some of the stories of the experiences mm. some of these families have had, it's horrific. Yeah. And yet there's good in every person. And so mm. that's what I always strive to look for is where is the good? I mean, I could go into hours and hours about how dysfunctional um, some of my friends and extended family members are. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would take hours for some, yeah. <laughs> some people. But yeah. yet there's, you know, I always look to what, you know, how did they get to where they are and what made them to the person they are and what is the good in them? Because I think there is good in everyone. Um, are there, there, are there, I'm, a, I'm just going to ask this. Are there bags you still need to unpack in your life? Um, probably. <laughs> I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I mean, I, I think I did have, like, as far as childhood goes, like, I did have quite, I would say a stable childhood in a sense that I always felt um, secure in my relationship with my family. And so in, even though we moved so often all of those things there was always that sense of security with my family um i think for me it's still there's unpacking as far as the spiritual stuff i am mm -hmm. a, like i currently attend church i'm a christian yeah those are strong held beliefs but there i still sometimes struggle with the different i don't want to say theologies or ideas right so what do i mm -hmm. actually believe um because i can be quite liberal in, in many things and conservative in many things. Mm -hmm. And, and how does that, you know, play out in my life or my interactions with people and stuff like that. So that's where I'm probably still processing. And, you know, I haven't had a lot of time in the last few years to really sit down and think about a lot of those things. I've been busy with my career and with my kids. Um, so I think that's, in the next few years to really <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's what's okay i get that like 
the phase of parenting that you're in is super intense and the phase yeah. of life that you're in like career, family, marriage. I just, I get the sense that there's a lot of unpacked bags and you said someday in the future, I'm going to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, we don't, we don't have to stay on this, but it just, what's, what's keeping you from doing that? Oh, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, it's, I live with a chronic condition that, mm -hmm. um, gives me a lot of pain all the time and I have mm. to pace myself. And mm -hmm. so a lot of my energy is spent to making sure my kids are fed, making sure they're dressed, mm. making sure, mm -hmm. you know, we get out the door on time, all of those things. And so mm -hmm. a lot of that personal like time just doesn't happen because I spend a lot of my energy on them. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be the biggest yeah. thing for me right now is, is, and I've, it's a lot of work. It's an it unbelievable is. amount of work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah. So sometimes I leave myself on that back burner. Um, yeah. And I know in the next, and, and, you know, having a two-year-old is, is going to go by fast. Um, yeah. And as he gets older, more independent, I'll have more time. I won't have to be, you know, fighting with him for an hour to get him down for a nap or, mm -hmm. you know, we'll be starting the dreaded potty training soon. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All yeah. those things. So I, I think that's the biggest thing for me is is just I have to pace myself and and be okay with that. That yeah. Oh, Debbie, um, how how long? Like you are okay. Yeah, <laughs> Debbie, how Thank long you. has this chronic condition been going? Oh, I've had it for my entire life. It's a genetic disorder. Oh. And so it um it just kind of rears its head in, in different parts of my life. I found pregnancy yeah. is quite difficult, um, mm -hmm. with it, and then I just have to manage. It's just. I have the potential yeah. of dislocating joints all the time. So. Oh, do you mean to say yeah, yeah. when you were with us, you had that condition yeah. as well? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. I didn't know what my condition was until I was in grade six. And I can tell you the funny yeah. story about it if you guys mm -hmm. want. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. yeah. No, no, I mean, I, I kind of, everything really like clicks together for me at this moment when you just described your condition. You yeah. know, I think Caleb and I, I, I'm not sure about Caleb, but for me personally, mm. listening to you, I rarely injected anything or asked anything because yeah. you seem so composed to every question. Normally, when yeah. we throw out our questions, the guest tends to pause a bit and think through, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. you seemed to have an answer to almost every question out there and really seemed to be composed. And I was thinking... Wow, your level of maturity is much beyond me mm -hmm. and beyond your peers. Mm -hmm. And, and your, your answer just kind of made it all click. You haven't yeah. lived through this condition, but you use the word humor, a funny story. But I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's the beauty of life and humanity is that we look at our hard times and difficulties and laugh at it. I think comedy is a healer of almost all ills. So yeah, tell us yeah. that funny story, Debbie. Yeah, but, yeah. So, so uh, kind of to touch on what you were saying, and I'll and I'll tell the funny story. Um, is I've I've learned that I can't change my condition, so there's no point mm, mm -hmm. in being depressed about it. In many ways, I just yeah. have to manage it, and so yeah. it's just the managing that can sometimes <laughs> not be fun. Um, mm. But yeah, for many years, I didn't know that bodies weren't supposed to move the way mine did, and no one mm. really picked up on it because you can't really tell by looking at me. And I remember sitting in class, it was in grade six. Um, and I was sitting with my arms on the desk and Rachel leans and puts her head on my arm. So my arm just slips out of socket, like my oh shoulder my socket. And she Ooh. freaks out in class and she's like, what? And I was like, oh, what? It just does yeah. that. And, Cause I can, I can do all these, what they call party tricks and, and whatever. <laughs> right. Right. And that's actually what started the journey to actually then go, oh, it's not supposed to do that. And then right. I had to go out to the doctor. And then the doctor was like, well, this is what you have. <laughs> that kind of started my journey of figuring yeah. out the joints. Oh. You, you said, you know, just accepting the things that you can't control. And I guess that's where I'm, I keep going back to, you know, you mentioned before you kind of put yourself last and uh, totally understandable. Like you're in mm -hmm. the thick of one of the most difficult, phases of parenting 
mm-hmm. it seems like that just resilience of, hey, this is what I can control. This is what I can't control. Uh, this is what I'm going to schedule self-actualization and pa- unpacking those bags. And that's at a different time. I'm not dealing with that now. And that sort of emotional security is really interesting to me. Well, and I do struggle with guilt at times too. Mm. And and I have to remind myself, like, this is a season. This is this is the way it is. Um, mm-hmm you know, this is kind of what I can do and, and being okay with that. And mm. there are times where I find, yeah, it's, it's, I'm really hard on myself. Like, oh, I should be able to do X, Y, and Z. Why can I not get that done? And, and whatnot. I mean, we've, we've now hired cleaners for our house because I find cleaning our house yeah. just really physically difficult with my joints. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, really, I should be able to clean my house, but mm. <laughs> I've mm-hmm. learned that I have a better quality of life when I have someone else come and clean, yeah. <laughs> clean my house. Yeah. Right. So it's just, it's that constant, you always are fighting those voices in your head. And also you're fighting, I think the expectations of society, especially for women. I don't, I'm not a man, yeah. so I can't speak to the expectations of society of men, but the quote that's always stood out for me for women is they expect you expect women to, work as if you have no children and then parent Mm. as if you have no work. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And as a working mom, like Mm -hmm. that's such a big, difficult thing to come to terms with, you know, because I would love to spend all this time with my children, but I'm at work most days and, you know, my kids are in daycare, which they absolutely love. Uh, But then I'm missing out on, on things as well, which can be hard. Right. So, uh, but that's just the, the lot I guess in life. And if I want to change it, then that's something that I'd have to work out with my husband of how do we mm-hmm. make our life work for me not to work? And is that what we mm-hmm. want? And I think that's part of, I, I mean, I'm not quite 40 yet. I will be in yeah. you know, the next year, but I think that's part of, you know, that middle age of getting close to 40. And it's that looking at your life and is this what I want my life to be like for the next 20 years? Is this, you know, the way I want to, to live and, I lost my grandfather in October and he was Mm. 98. He would have been 99 in a few weeks. Um, And it's like, he lived a very long life. (laughs) Um, And it's like, you know, he lived, he lived it well. I mean, there's obviously things that he probably could have done differently, but I'm at that point in my life where it's like, you know, what, what do I want my life to look like? And, And I do have the time to make it into what I want it to be. Sounds very similar to the, things your parents were wrestling with at, at the same age mm-hmm. with their family, you know, yeah. how do you balance all of these things? Yeah. And I think that's where I learned from example is like, you can't do everything all at once. Mm. Like there's a season for raising your kids or there's a season for work. There's a season for, you know, all of those things. Hmm. Seasons, seasons. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Seasons. Really? Really? I mean, what's, I, what's been. Oh, go ahead. Kima, go yeah, ahead. Uh, I talked no, too much. This, no, it's okay, Caleb. You can talk all you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, th- this listening, listening to this has been so healing for me, listening to you, Debbie. It's, it's, not, it's not easy to come across people who learn to accept life as it is unless mm-hmm. you talk i mean this isn't uh, it, it almost feels like i'm talking to a priest or a monk <laughs> i am not a priest or a monk <laughs> i know you're neither but you, you know you know like this no, you're Debbie. yeah yeah so for That's me self-actualization mm-hmm. yeah. it's like yeah it's like yeah there are things in life i cannot change i'm fine mm-hmm. with that there are things in life I can change. I'll do my best to change it. And I'm going to enjoy it while I can, while it lasts. So just saying those words, you're not teaching us. You're not, you're not like a self-help guru. You're not, you're not throwing out these life advices. You're living it and you're just mm-hmm. telling it as is. It's yeah. so powerful. So thank mm-hmm. you. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's things that I, think about and things that I try and practice in my own life. Yeah. Trying to be present, trying to to do those things. And I also think to myself sometimes, what would I tell my clients? 
if I was mm. a client, if what if I was one of my own clients and I came to me <laughs> and mm-hmm. said, blah, 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 what advice would I give them? And, you know, I probably should follow it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you what t- what do you take from your experience growing up as an MK into your daily practice, working with families who are going through very difficult times, um, you know, parents and children? You, previously, you said dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you bring into your practice every day? Um, I think it's about trying to see the person and mm. not being judgmental. Uh, towards them because um, I deal with a lot of parents who, you know, mistreat their children or are heavy on their addiction or are, you know, struggling with their mental health, but bottom line, they love their kids. And so it's not about the fact that they don't love their children. It's about right now, they're not able to parent the way they want to parent, how they dream to parent. And if I can come alongside Mm -hmm. them and help them get to that place where they can be the parent they want to be or help them to get to a place where they can make really good decisions for their kids if they can't be that person for their kids. Um, And just treating people with dignity, I think, is is a Mm. big thing Um, because everyone deserves that no matter if, you know, they, you know, have committed all these crimes or they're they've you know been out prostituting or they've been whatever they've been doing that society deems as horrific um Mm -hmm. they're still humans they're still parents they still deserve respect they still deserve you know compassion as well and i think that's what i learned from watching my parents um interact with with different people i mean we have a really good family friend, a local Filipino. And I remember going with my dad to visit him in jail. He got, you know, my dad met him when they first came on the field and he was starting to get into drugs and stuff. And then over the years, he ended up getting arrested and was in jail in the Philippines, which I don't know if either of you guys have been to a jail in the Philippines. It's quite <laughs> Yeah, horrible. my dad was in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so but we always treated him with respect. He was always welcome in our home. And we knew that he had a drug issue. Hold, hold we up. Knew... Hold, hold up. <laughs> I, I just find <laughs> this really funny. Caleb said, yeah, my dad was in one, but no, not one of us reacted. I was, I was going to go back to that. <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> Caleb just, just, just a matter of fact, yeah, my dad was in a Filipino prison, but no one's like, Really? Jail. What? Jail, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, you can in, in jail, but whatever. <laughs> Vehicular manslaughter. Ah. Uh, yeah. But anyways, yeah. Debbie, continue. No. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was just around. We always. This individual was always welcome in our home. Was mm. always like my parents would never leave us alone with him, but he was not treated differently because he struggled with drugs because he struggled with mental health because Mm -hmm. you know all of these things right so i think that's what i learned from my parents and and from being on the mission field is just you know everyone has their own stories and struggles but deep down everyone's human and everyone deserves you know respect and compassion and love yeah what is it about your growing up experience you know living as a third culture kid you mentioned being able to see the world from other people's perspectives. Um, and I have to say, you have a very calming presence. Like this is, I don't know about you, Cumin. This is very therapeutic for me talking with, with, with Debbie. Um, you have a very like calming presence. Um, what, what, what from growing up allows you to just see things from other people's perspectives and walk into a space. I feel like you did in this podcast of just non-judgment, you know? Um, I, yeah, that's a hard one to really pinpoint and kind of answer. I think it was just being exposed to so many different types of people. Mm. I mean, the mission my parents are with is international interdenominational mission. So I was used to growing up with our aunties and uncles being from tons of different countries, from different, um, theology backgrounds within the Christian kind of community and being different, but 
working together as a family. That was something that was very important to our mission is we might disagree on a lot of things, um, but what, what can we be united on? What can we agree on? How do we work together um, as like an extended family? And I think that is kind of where that came for me is, is just being used to being around people who don't necessarily always think the way I do or do life the way I do, but they're still family in a way. And I think, the other piece that was a really turning was a real turning point for me um, when it kind of came to, I guess, the way I think about people is I don't know what your guys' experience with Faith Academy of just all the rules and the expectations <laughs> and we you this is the way you know you dress and and the way mm-hmm. you dress tells us if you're a Christian or not or if you have a tattoo or not like all of these things was it kind of all linked back to if you presented yourself this way you're a Christian if you don't do these things and you're not a Christian, right? Obviously. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, I went back to Canada for my grade 11 year and we went to a small town in the Okanagan. And I remember going to our church the first Sunday and looking at these two girls coming into church around my age in like really short skirts. And my first thought was they're not Christians. Look at how Mm. short their skirts are. They would never pass (laughs) the dress code. (laughs) Um, rules for faith and over the next few months those girls became some of my best friends and were phenomenal christians and it had nothing to do with the length of their skirts um Mm -hmm. and so that i think was a big turning point for me of just how legalistic Mm. i think faith was and and that that's not necessarily the way the world is and just not making assumptions about people just from the way they present themselves or the way i think they should present themselves wow that that's Mm -hmm. That's deep. Uh, we are approaching the one hour <laughs> mark uh, <laughs> right now. I, I was wondering, Debbie, will you be uh, uh, around to continue the conversation or well, should we wrap this up in, in this hour? Well, um, I actually have to, to wrap up in, in this hour, unfortunately. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I wanted... So it's interesting you mentioned that yeah, you know, Faith Academy was a little bit like the town in Footloose where no mm-hmm. one was allowed to dance or, you know, experience yeah. joy at times. Um, uh, and, and it felt like that at times. Um, but I there were there were moments that made me feel like I was a bad kid yeah. for you know, just stepping out of line in little, little ways. And, you know, I do think you internalize that. But mm-hmm. coming to the U.S., coming to I'm sure coming to Canada or going back to Korea um, really was a. a a cultural immersion <laughs> much more than I thought it was. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I, I, I thought we, we, we just stumbled upon a gem of a topic to talk about in that mm-hmm. last, last minute or so when Debbie went into mm-hmm. how legalistic faith was, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe that would be a talk for another day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Debbie yeah. part two. Debbie part I'm, two, maybe. I'm down for that. Oh. This was a joy. Debbie, thank you so much for letting us interrupt your life. Oh, no worries. Yeah, yeah this was yeah. great. I actually quite enjoy it, and I've been listening to other podcasts, and it's always, I always oh, find good. it fascinating. <laughs> We're trying to get our, our audio quality issues resolved. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I listen to the pods again, and it, it really is just, like, good processing for me because I mm-hmm. see things from different perspectives. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And everyone's life has taken different, yeah. different routes and stuff. So yeah, yeah. This was wonderful. This was our first one-hour podcast. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't take a time for a break during the middle. Yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed it. And I'm gonna turn back on Creed higher, and we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up the show. But once again, Debbie, thank you, thank you so much. I, I think mm-hmm. I'll definitely re-listen to our talks, definitely, and just. <laughs> You you have a soothing voice. <laughs> you do. I, I mean, was told at one it. point I should have a voice for radio, but I never. Yeah. I never you, went. You route. definitely have a voice for. I mean, you don't get emotional. You, it's like I don't know. You don't have that high tone, but yeah. Yeah. No, I got the low voice. Yeah. 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 It was quite lovely. Yeah. It was quite lovely. Yeah. And Caleb, as always, it's a pleasure to co-host this show because you have the most poignant questions. 
that gets the guests. I'm just to curious. Open up. You know, at the end of the day, Cuban and I just want to know that <laughs> no one's listening to this podcast. Um, this is a, a just for us, and we want to we want to know more about other people and their experiences, and that's all that we're doing. Yeah, and it's great though, uh, Caleb. Our our collective shows have hit a a listen of a hundred thirty now, so it's not oh like no one, no one's listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all of Faith Academy Deval right there. That's the yeah, that's all school, of it. Isn't it? Yeah, that's the entire school. <laughs> so, I mean, the funny thing is, we have listeners from from four countries now: U.S., Canada, go, wow. Korea, and uk just popped up i don't know who's listening oh, in from the uk from england hmm. I, I don't hmm. know but hmm. yeah that that popped up in the demographics so yeah interesting caleb hmm. when, when you say no one is listening some people are i think actually. it's gonna grow and i, I do think this kind of <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when we had our 20-year kind of high school yeah. reunion last summer yeah. i can't believe it was a summer ago um and just it kind of i think brought back for a lot of us just things mm -hmm. that we might not have might not be forefront in our mind right of, yeah. of our childhood and stuff mm -hmm. and so i think what you guys are doing is quite interesting and and i love those five minute videos that everyone did but i wanted mm -hmm. more and i think this allows us to have more i, I want to know what bags you haven't unpacked yet that's that's what i want to know debbie <laughs> well, we'll and that'll be part, part two. two and let me think yeah. about it that'll yeah. be Process. part two and what do you what's keeping you from opening those bags? right and debbie before you yeah. go you need to if you could uh, do us a favor of two favors. Uh, one is um, recommend a song that we play for our next episode. Oh, yeah. And if you have any other guests on your mind mm -hmm. wh whom it'd be good for us to interview. Oh. Ah, songs. Does it have to be a Christian song or? Yeah, it can no, be a '90s retro, it, whatever yeah, you 90s. want. Like you know, yeah. the other day I turned on Sugar Ray someday. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think of my dorm and how oh, probably Rage Against the Machine would not be appropriate ones. Uh, but we listen to like a lot of. <laughs> Let's do that. Rage <laughs> that, Against that the Machine. I like that. Rage Against I, the Machine. Love it. What song? Yeah. What song? <laughs> Is there a song that it comes to mind? There's a few people I think that would be fascinating for you guys to mm -hmm. uh, talk to. Mm -hmm. um, Prissy and Andrew come to mind as a uh, oh, yeah. two yep. that they're got married from our class. Yeah. Yep. And mm -hmm. then they're now um, in Thailand. Uh, mm -hmm. Becca, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed living to say in black. another living country. In, yeah, yeah, living yeah, yeah. in another country. I think she would it's be fascinating. North, way north of you, Cumin. Mm. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> And I think people like Ian would be interesting. And, oh, Ian. Uh, Ian's another Sire. candidate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even Ruthie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah are, are you are you connected to any one of those people? Like I have them all on Facebook. Great. So if you could yeah. if you could like uh, hit them up and say hey, Caleb and Cumin <laughs> are doing this. We strange, can work on that, Debbie. Yeah, we're all thing. we're all part of the same Facebook group for yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I they're, mean, they're the ones who I see like making, like you know, having kind of deeper thoughts sometimes online. So I think they're yeah. ones that that have been processing, like mm -hmm. we all are. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and that's the focus of the show. I, I, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know we're way over. I'm sorry. No, no, it's we're, okay. We're it's okay. We yeah. we can we can go like uh, I mean as long as everyone's good under time we can go a bit bit over like through i mean look it's unscripted what's the what's what's the best thing about being unscripted we don't have a time <laughs> schedule <to keep. laughs> except for i think caleb got somewhere he's got to be yeah 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 it's memorial day weekend um and uh i'm i'm probably in a little bit of hot water for going longer but um family obligations i totally get it <laughs> yeah totally totally uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm totally down for a part two. Let me um, yeah, let me ponder mm -hmm. because of being an introvert, mm -hmm. I need to take a lot of time to ponder. Yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah, absolutely. Wow, I I wouldn't okay. take you for an introvert. I mean, the way oh, that I'm, mm. I'm definitely an introvert, as my dad says. We're I'm a paid extrovert. Oh, you're. A I am too. I am too. I'm an introvert. I know that a lot of people are surprised by that, but yeah. um, I can do short bursts of, of entertaining people, but then I have to shut down for a good 12 hours yeah. and, and be away from people. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
I yeah, always learn something new about people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just introvert. want, you know, human. When you said when you got back to Korea and everyone was, and you just wanted attention, I, I oh oh yeah, there's one other thing. So you wanted attention man that you know i related to that so much i just wanted to be seen you know mm-hmm. um uh but i uh, my mat my natural state is to be an intern human i re-listened to our podcast our bonus episode yeah and i realized at no point in that that i apologize to you for being a shithead and <laughs> you know I, in elementary school you know, 30 years ago um i was kind of a i was kind of a shithead to you and i'm really sorry and you don't have to accept my apology. I just want to tell oh, you, like, Caleb, Caleb. Feel, like, I'm really fucking sorry. No, no Caleb, you, you were one of the yeah. best childhood memories that of childhood friends I had. So no offense taken. It was the <laughs> other other person who was unnamed that I had yeah. issues with. Yeah. But you, you were you were generally kind. I always thought of you being in a bad group of friends. But mm-hmm. you general, oh. I thought you generally as a nice person. So it's okay. Yeah. Well, there were only there were only like, uh, like seven people in our class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got to so pick someone to be your friend. Yeah, yeah, I got to pick someone. I, hey, Dav, Dava people, they're all, they're they're yeah. all good. They're all they're they're all yeah. good. I mean, like like I said, we were all young. We didn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I have apologies to make to to, to Debbie probably. <laughs> I don't remember I, you doing anything that you would have to apologize for. Okay then. <laughs> Okay, we're good. Okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. We're not gonna bring anything up. If if it's off your memory, then yeah. then let's not bring yeah. anything up. Let's hey, not, hey, Debbie, I bet there's feathers. a suitcase in your hallway that has Cuban's name on it that you haven't unpacked yet. I'll have, I'll have to. Maybe it's one of those things that I've repressed, and and this conversation will bring it all back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Yeah, Caleb, you're you're, right. you're gonna be in really hot water if we keep on yeah. talking so let me turn yeah. on that Cree music and we will mm-hmm. end on the count of three okay and you know what to say Caleb okay mm-hmm. yep okay it's time to wrap up on the count of three one two three go, go vanguard yeah <laughs> Debbie you want to <laughs> join us oh we, we need to sync that let's let's do that again on the yeah. count of three one two three go vanguard go <laughs> oh we got it oh we got it we got it All right, see you all. Bye-bye.